MSW Media. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. For 10% off your first month, visit betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. And thanks to Fast Growing Trees for supporting our podcast. Fast Growing Trees plant experts curate thousands of easy-to-grow plant, shrub, and tree varieties for your unique climate. Myers lemons to evergreens and everything in between. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash dailybeans now to get 15% off your entire order. Hello! Welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, September 11th, 2023. Today, Mark Meadows' motion to remove his Georgia state case to federal court is denied by Judge Jones. Judge McBurney has released the Fulton County Special Grand Jury Report with no opposition. The Justice Department has petitioned the Supreme Court in the Mephapristone case. Donald Trump filed to remove the Colorado 14th Amendment case to federal court and then quickly changed his mind. Trump's true social media partner gets a reprieve days before liquidation. A new investigation shows Leonard Leo, Ginny Thomas, and Harlan Crow funded the Citizens United decision. And another location with Trump's boxes of documents is hiding in plain sight. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Happy Monday, Dana. Happy Monday to you. And obviously, we know this is a you know, this is a very memorable day in, in our country, as you know. Yeah, it is September 11th. Exactly. And we remember this day every year since 2001. I can't believe it's been... I can't either. 22 years. Yeah, that's that's nuts. But I'm just, I'm thinking about everyone, especially who were there in the city. And of course, all of us around the country and the world that were affected by it. It was a, uh, I mean, it's one of those days you just remember where you were. Yeah, I remember exactly where I was. I was it, I was on the West Coast, so I was getting my phone was blowing up at six in the morning, um, and I was told, you know, by family members and friends to turn on the television, and, and we just sat and watched in horror yeah. as we were attacked. So we are remembering all of the victims, their families, and everyone, like you said, around the world on September 11th. Also, we have some very big, long stories today that are going to take some extra time, so we're going to do the show a little differently today. We'll have some longer than usual quick hits, followed by a break, and then two incredible stories on extensive journalistic investigations into the Supreme Court and an off-site document storage facility paid for by the government for Donald Trump that has housed classified documents. There's just that much news to cover today. So embrace the change. Uh, also, congratulations to Coco Goff. Oh, it was uh, it was fire. She was amazing. That f- match point was incredible. She has won the U.S. Open in fucking fantastic style. What a final. And uh, we're getting ready to watch the men's final after we record here today. We record the show on Sundays. So here, you know, we'll be watching that. It's that one guy and that other guy. So we'll... <laughs> We'll see who takes home who takes home the trophy. <laughs> oh my god, that guy and the other guy. Oh, it's hard to cheer for either of them. It really is. But I'll just maybe I'll just keep cheering for Coco during the entire men's finals. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, let's try this new segment. Let's do the not so quick hits. And to make a long story short, too late. First up from Olivia Rubin at ABC, a federal judge in Georgia on Friday denied former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows' bid to move his Fulton County election interference case to federal court. Quote, 
Having considered the arguments and the evidence, the court concludes that Meadows has not met his burden. That is Judge Steve Jones in a 49-page order. Meadows has already filed notice with the court he intends to appeal to the 11th Circuit. The notice of appeal comes just hours after he lost his bid to remove the case to federal court. Meadows had sought to have his case moved based on a federal law that calls for the removal of criminal proceedings brought in state court to the federal court system when someone is charged for actions they took as a federal official acting under color of their office. In the ruling against Meadows, Jones found that he didn't meet his quite low bar for removal and that Meadows, quote, failed to demonstrate how the election-related activities that serve as the basis for the charges in the indictment are related to any of his official acts, unquote. He goes on to say the evidence adduced at the hearing establishes that the actions at the heart of the state's charges against Meadows were taken on behalf of the Trump campaign with the ultimate goal of affecting state election activities and procedures. Meadows himself testified that working for the Trump campaign would be outside the scope of a White House chief of staff. (laughs) Whoopsie. The color of office of the White House chief of staff did not include working with or working for the Trump campaign, except for simply coordinating the president's schedule traveling with the president to his campaign events and redirecting communications to the campaign. That's what the judge wrote. Now, Jones found that out of the eight overt acts that Meadows is alleged to have carried out in the Fulton County DA's indictment, Meadows showed that just one of them could have occurred within the scope of his duties, a text message he sent to Representative Scott Perry of Pennsylvania asking for phone numbers of members of the Pennsylvania legislature. Jones found that Meadows arranging the January 2nd call, that Raffensperger call, to find the votes to win the state, that was campaign-related political activity, and that Meadows' participation in that call was political in nature. Quote, the record is clear that Meadows substantively discussed investigating alleged fraud in the November 3rd presidential election in 2022, the order said. Therefore, I think they meant 2020. Therefore, the court finds that these contributions to the phone call with Raffensperger went beyond those activities that are within the official role of the chief of staff, such as scheduling phone calls, observing meetings, and attempting to wrap up meetings in order to keep the president on schedule. The judge also sided with prosecutors in finding that, quote, the Constitution does not provide any basis for executive branch involvement with state election and post-election procedures. Duh. Okay, Pete and I are going to discuss this in more depth on Wednesday's cleanup on all 45. But me personally, I'm super excited that he violated the Hatch Act and got caught talking about violating the Hatch Act on the stand, since that was one of the pretexts for removing me from my job for having a podcast about the Mueller investigation. So just fun for me personally. I love it. I like that you have a little bit of a little bit of joy in that little sparkle in your eye, if you will. Thank you. All right. This is from NBC. The Biden administration on Friday asked the Supreme Court to maintain broad access to a commonly used medication abortion pill. Now, the court filing from the Justice Department sets the stage for a possible final resolution to a contentious legal fight mounted by abortion rights opponents over federal approval of the drug mefepristone. The dispute lands at the Supreme Court in time for the justices to potentially take it up, hear oral arguments, and issue a decision by next summer. In urging the Supreme Court to intervene, Solicitor General Elizabeth Prologar wrote that the case marked the first time a court has ever second-guessed the, and I quote, expert judgment of the Food and Drug Administration in approving a drug. If lower court rulings were left in place, they would impose grave harms on the government mefepristone sponsors, women seeking medication abortions, and the public. Again, that was from Prologar. 
among other things, access to the pill by mail, which the FDA formally approved, by the way, in 2021, would be curtailed. Now, Danko is the maker of Mifeprex, the brand version of Mifeprestone. They filed a similar appeal on Friday. Before making a decision on whether to hear the case, the justices will receive a response from the challengers as part of a process that can take months. The justices have already intervened once, by the way, but this was back in April when they blocked in full a decision by Texas U.S. District Judge Matthew Kaczmarek that had invalidated the FDA's original approval of the drug from more than 20 years ago. Now, at that time, conservative justices Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito said that they would have allowed part of Kaczmarek's ruling to go into effect. Yep. So we're going up to the Supreme Court with another abortion thing. Oh, geez. Mm hmm. Yep. Now, they did intervene before and said his full his full decision couldn't go through. But we'll see what they say now. All right. From Von Hilliard at all at NBC, former President Trump has to have a Colorado lawsuit aimed at kicking him off the 2024 ballot in the state, removed to federal court. In a court filing on Thursday, lawyers for Trump argued the suit brought earlier this week by a group of six voters, Republican voters, by the way, should be moved from state court to federal court because it centers on the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, which holds that no person shall hold any office if they engaged in insurrection or rebellion or aided or abetted or gave comfort to those who, you know, insurrected after having taken an oath to support the Constitution. You're not allowed to do that. It's in the Constitution. Then in a motion filed by petitioners on Friday, Trump's lawyers apparently, upon further consideration, realized they do not have standing to move the case to federal court and are no longer opposing its return to state court. The case must be automatically remanded to state court because federal courts lack subject matter jurisdiction over the specific claims made by petitioners. And Jenna Griswold, the Democratic Colorado Secretary of State, guest on our show, who is a co-respondent alongside Trump, she did not consent to removing the case to federal court, and she would have to. So oopsie daisy. Quote, both the constitutional lack of standing and failure to comply with statutory removal requirements compel remand here. That's what the petitioners wrote. Quote, because the grounds for remand are clear and dictated by binding precedent, and because no party opposes this motion to remand, petitioners respectfully request the court resolve this motion without a hearing and without awaiting opposition. I've never seen Trump concede like this so quickly. He also filed a notice to the Fulton County judge or actually to Judge Jones, I think, down down in Fulton County, that's a, that's a federal judge, that he might want to remove, he might file to remove his case to federal court. That's the Fonnie Willis-Rico case. I imagine he was waiting to see what happened with Meadows. And now that he knows what arguments don't work, since Meadows got his ass handed to him, <laughs> he might try some new argument. He has until the end of the month to make that argument to Judge Jones. All right. Thank you, A.G. And this is from CBS. In addition to recommending charges against Donald Trump, a Georgia special purpose grand jury that investigated efforts to overturn the 2020 election, they also indicated it believed charges should have been filed against South Carolina U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham, Mike Flynn, and former Georgia U.S. Senators David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, all of them. Now, the 23 special purpose grand jurors had the ability to subpoena witnesses and recommend charges in this report, which they completed in January. They did not have the authority to indict. The report, which was largely sealed until Friday, was released because many of its recommendations came to fruition on August 15th, when a traditional grand jury indicted Donald and 18 others. Although Graham, Perdue, and Loeffler were ultimately not charged in that indictment group. 
In fact, the special grand jury recommended 39 people be charged. 39. Trump and the other defendants in the case have all pleaded not guilty. Now, most of the report by a special purpose grand jury in Fulton County, Georgia, has been ordered to be withheld from the public as a district attorney there considers charges against Trump and others in his orbit. In a footnote, the report shared that one juror who voted against indictment of Purdue and Loeffler, and I quote, believes that their statements following the November 2020 election while pandering to their political base did not give rise to their being guilty of a criminal conspiracy. Now, Allison, you and Pete are going to go over this more in depth on cleanup in aisle 45 this week as well. So I'm really curious to hear what you think about all of this. Yeah, I mean, I think the number one thing that we can take away from this is that it wasn't just a rubber stamp. Right. She didn't over indict. She she indicted fewer than half of the people recommended to her by the special purpose grand jury. And I think that that goes a long way to the, uh, you know, the right wing argument that it was a oh rubber stamp and she just does what they say. And she's, a you know, out there over indicting people, uh, et cetera. So I think that is going to help uh, anyone, uh, anyone's arguments who who thinks she shouldn't be removed from her position under that new Georgia law. Also, one last quick story, a long delayed merger between the former guy, his media company and a so-called blank check company has received a reprieve just days before the latter company faced liquidation. According to reports, shareholders in DWAC, Digital World Acquisition Corp, approved a one year extension of the merger deadline between the two companies. That's according to The New York Times and Washington Post. Without that extension, DWAC would have faced liquidation on September 8th. All right. That is long story short. Too late. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be back with the hot notes right after this message. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Think fall is only for pumpkin spice lattes? Well, think again. It's also the perfect time to plant and nurture a thriving garden. For the absolute best tree and plant choices, I trust fastgrowingtrees.com. Fast Growing Trees is a gardener's dream come true. You can select from thousands of different plants and they'll ensure your specific climate location and other needs are perfectly matched. You won't have to spend any more long hours driving back and forth to nurseries or garden centers to find the plant you're looking for and their easy to use online store will ship your plant directly to you within one to two days. I was easily able to find a rare tiny dancer alocasia plant I had been looking for at a wallet-friendly price, so I know there's something there for you too. Whether it's creating privacy, shade, or enhancing the beauty of your lawn, or planting fruit trees for foods, their team offers 24-7 expert advice. Even if you've never found success with plants before, they'll make sure that this one works out. That's one of the many reasons they have 1 million happy, fast-growing trees customers across the country, and more are being added every day, including myself. And just to make sure you feel confident, they have a 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, so you know everything will stay healthy for many years to come. Listeners to our show get 15% off your entire order when you go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash dailybeans, but only through October 15th. That is 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash dailybeans, fastgrowingtrees.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, first up from my friend Jonathan Allen at NBC, Donald Trump likes to put his name on everything except his taxpayer-funded post-presidential office here on North Flagler Drive. <laughs> it's a great opening. Trump's website doesn't list the address, which is about a 10-minute drive from Mar-a-Lago. The nameplate on the hallway wall is blank. There is no seal, official or unofficial, on the frosted glass door. And the name Trump, a brand the former president estimates to be worth billions of dollars, is nowhere to be found. It is so hush-hush that his spokesman, Steve Chung, 
claimed no knowledge of its existence. Quote, I've never heard of the North Flagler office, he said, when NBC asked about the suite on Wednesday. Sure. But it's here, across the hall from an IRS suite, with a door marked criminal investigation, and one floor below an outpost for Trump's Secret Service detail. Three sources confirmed the location of the office. Under the former President's Act, the Federal General Services Administration, GSA, provides funding for post-presidential offices, including money to pay staff. There are reasons, including security, that some ex-presidents choose to shine less light on their offices than Bill Clinton did when he moved into a space on West 125th Street in New York's Harlem more than two decades ago. What stands out about this suite is that it has played a, a little noticed role in Trump's affairs as he takes the unusual step of seeking a return to the White House following his 2020 defeat. It has apparently housed classified material. And according to a person familiar with Trump's operation, it's been searched by a private firm at the direction of Trump's lawyers. Long after that inspection, bankers' boxes were still piled against the wall and in the middle of the main room. That's according to two sources familiar with the office. Quote, boxes everywhere, one of the sources said. That's the state of the office. It's generally cluttered. If there weren't boxes and bins, I would think that something happened. <laughs> okay. There's no indication that Trump has used this office himself. It's not clear what it's currently being used for, what's in the boxes, and it's not clear whether he knows what's in them, even. In June, Trump pled not guilty, as we know, in federal court to charges that he unlawfully held and hid classified documents, national defense information, after he left the White House. A spokesperson for Jack Smith declined to comment on what prosecutors know about this office and its contents, which is normal for Jack Smith. Aside from the classified documents case, Trump's unique triple-hatted role as former president candidate and defendant raises questions <laughs> about whether and how his aides keep their work separated. Yeah, it's got to be tricky. Several Trump aides on the payroll of the Save America PAC and his presidential campaign have worked at the post-presidential office since it opened two years ago. And that's according to campaign finance records and people familiar with the office. Chung did not respond to a follow-up email <laughs> seeking details about the office and its operations including whether aides on Trump's political payroll who have worked there are also paid by the government or by a private non-campaign entity. It is possible for one person to split time between a campaign and government work, according to election finance experts. For example, most executive branch employees, including political appointees, can participate in certain partisan political activities outside of work, like, say, a podcast called Mueller, she wrote, so long as they don't use government resources. <laughs> and it could be that Trump's aides are careful not to mix political work with official business, yet somehow I doubt it. But there is a strict prohibition on performing political duties on government time or in a government-occupied building or room. It's not clear what steps Trump is taking to ensure a wall of separation between official and campaign business for aides who are on his political payroll. My guess is it's not clear because he's not taking any steps to ensure <laughs> a wall of separation. Quote, the general rule is, even where dual hatting is allowed... And even when it's being done without pay on either or both jobs, you definitely cannot conduct political work in your government office. That's former Federal Elections Commission lawyer who asked to remain anonymous to discuss the Trump situation. Uh, that's pretty close to an ironclad rule, they said. Most former presidents don't have to contemplate mounting legal defenses <laughs> and presidential campaigns as their aides reply to correspondence from fans and dignitaries. Quote, Donald Trump is the first ex-president of our time who has declared for re-election. At the same time, his political fundraising committees are contributing money to his 
personal legal defense. That's what Michael Beschloss, a presidential historian, said, quote, since Nixon's rocky and much criticized first months out of office, American ex-presidents have abided by fairly strict traditions and practices. Such practices would not include non-government officials using American taxpayer-funded office space and services to conduct an ex-president's campaign or to work on his private legal defense, if either of those things happened. Um, they probably did. When a surprise-to-be-packing Trump left the White House in January of 2021, his aides scrambled to collect the items he wanted to take with him and ship them to multiple locations, including Mar-a-Lago and a temporary transition office in the Washington suburbs. Toward the end of the six-month transition process, Trump aides worked with the GSA to relocate the offices in the Washington suburbs to West Palm Beach. Kathy Geisler, the GSA point person for the transition, noted in an email to Trump aides that the agency would pay for only one location, meaning that the correspondence office had to be either at a West Palm Beach suite or at Mar-a-Lago, not both. Quote, if the former president's office determines that the correspondence office in West Palm Beach will be the single office that GSA provides and furnishes furniture and other items from the Mar-a-Lago location, the Mar-a-Lago location will need to move from the existing location to the new location. And that's what she wrote. You can't have two offices. GSA only pays for one. The office on North Flagler Drive appears to be the final location for that correspondence office, also known as the office of the former president. Trump, who continues to falsely claim he won the 2020 election, does not refer to himself as the former president, and his staff generally avoid that construction as well. It is, quote, the only office space that GSA has rented for former President Trump's office. That is what a GSA spokesperson said. Now, several of his aides, all of whom worked in operations or correspondence roles at the White House, have been seen at the North Flagler Drive office since it opened in late 2021. That's according to two of the people familiar with the office. The set includes Bo Harrison, Molly Michael, and Desiree Thompson. Michael, who no longer works for Trump, was on the payroll of the Save America PAC from July 2021 until September 2022, the month after the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago in search of classified documents. An attorney for Michael did not respond to questions about the work she did for Trump, probably for the best. Harrison was at times paid for by Save America for advance work, a year-end bonus, basic pay and reimbursement for travel and office expenses, and that's according to the PAC's federal financial disclosures. The last payment was on August 15th, 2022, a week after the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And of course, Harrison did not respond to text messages from NBC either. Chung, that Trump spokesman, confirmed Wednesday that Thompson still works for Trump. She remains on Save America's payroll, earning a salary of about 120 grand a year, and that's according to the PAC's most recent filing. Reached briefly by phone, Thompson politely said she had to refer questions about the office, and she didn't call them back. When the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago on August 8th, 2022, and let's be clear, it was a lawfully executed search warrant. They use the word raid for shorthand here. Uh, a box that contained Trump White House schedules, including some with classified markings, was sitting at a West Palm Beach office uninspected. Remember, The Guardian reported that, our friend Hugo Lowell. According to The Guardian, a junior aide who went by the nickname Rodis, receptionist of the United States, Stop had, it. <laughs> had moved the box from the Mar-a-Lago workspace to a government-leased West Palm Beach office where she was relocated in 2022. She was later moved back to Mar-a-Lago along with the schedules, and she'd also scanned them into a laptop. And that's according to The Guardian. Now, Rodas is a moniker used by Chamberlain Harris, who held the informal title at the tail end of the Trump administration. One of the people familiar with the office confirmed she worked there for a time. Uh, Harris did not reply 
to uh, when NBC reached out, uh, text messages or LinkedIn messages seeking comment about her work at North Flagler. Interesting. Also, they asked her whether she moved the box of schedules to Mar-a-Lago. She didn't answer that question either. Now, Harris has been on the Save America PAC payroll since July 2021 and has been on Trump's re-election payroll since December of 2022. Together, Trump-affiliated political committees paid her 163 grand, including travel reimbursements, from July 2021 through June 2023, which is the last date for which campaign finance records are available. In late 2022, federal investigators pressed Trump's lawyers to turn over any remaining classified material in his possession. That prompted his legal team to hire a private firm to conduct searches at several locations, including North Flagler Drive. And that's according to a person familiar with the probes. Now, this just wasn't him asked, telling people to do this. This was court ordered as well. The person said there was no additional classified materials discovered by the private team. There's no indication that the FBI ever searched the premises for classified documents or other materials that belong to the government under the Presidential Records Act. And the FBI also did not respond to a request for comment from John Allen. So interesting. New office. And very interesting. We'll see what they find. We'll see what happens there. This is from Heidi Pusibola at Politico. Now, the Supreme Court's decision in the 2010 Citizens United case, it transformed the world of politics. It loosened restrictions on campaign spending. It unleashed a flow of anonymous donor money to nonprofit groups run by political activists. Well, in the months before the ruling dropped in January of that year, a group of conservative activists came together to create such an organization. Its mission would be to, at the time, block then-President Barack Obama's pet initiatives, okay? Now, the activists included Federalist Society leader Leonard Leo and his ideological soulmate Ginny Thomas. This should be story hour. <laughs> and a person familiar with her thinking at the time told Politico, and I quote, Ginny really wanted to build an organization and be a movement leader. Leonard, otherwise Leo, was going to be the conduit of that. Now, she also had a rich backer, Harlan Crow, the manufacturing billionaire who had helped Thomas and her husband in many ways, from funding luxury vacations to picking up tuition payments for their great nephew. You just reminded me of, of Clary in fucking Steel Magnolia. Then there was the awful, evil, horrible Weezer. <laughs> <laughs> now, at the time, Citizens United ruling was widely expected as the court had already signaled its intentions. When it came, it upended nearly 100 years of campaign spending restrictions. Okay, we'll get out of that. The conservative legal movement seized the moment with greater success than any other group had. And the consequences, they have shaped American jurisprudence and politics in very dramatic ways. Now, from those early discussions among Leo, Thomas, and Crow. Those would spring a billion-dollar force that has helped remake the judiciary and overturn long-standing legal precedents on abortion, affirmative action, and many other issues. It funded legal scholars to devise theories to challenge liberal precedents. It helped to elect state attorneys general willing to apply those theories and launching lavish campaigns for conservative judicial nominees who would cite those theories in their rulings from the bench. Hmm. The movement's triumphs, AG, are now visible, but its engine remains very hidden. A billion-dollar network of groups, mostly which are registered as tax-exempt charities or social welfare organizations, taking advantage of gaps in disclosure laws, they shield the identities of most of their donors and some of the recipients of the funds. 
Among those who have been paid by the groups are leading thinkers and individuals with close personal ties to Leo specifically, including a whopping $7 million to a group run by a close friend and his wife. Now, they also include a for-profit business for which Leo himself is a chairman and which receives tens of millions of dollars from his nonprofit network. So they're just moving money around over there. Now, Leo's role as the central figure in this movement has long been known, culminating in his acquisition last year of what many believe to be the largest political donation in history. Now, few are aware of the extent to which the movement's baby steps were taken in concert with Ginny fucking Thomas. And we all we know that her husband has been a major role in these decisions. Now, two months before the Citizens United decision, but after the justices had signaled their intentions by requesting new arguments, attorney Cleta Mitchell, later to play a role in Donald Trump's false claims about the 2020 elections, remember, filed papers for Ginny Thomas to create a nonprofit group of a type that ultimately benefited from the decision. Leo was one of two directors listed on a separate application to conduct business in the state of Virginia. Now, Thomas was president, okay? She signed it on New Year's Eve of 2009, and Crow provided much of the initial cash on that. Now, a key Leo aide, her name's Sarah Field, would come aboard to help Thomas manage the group, which they called Liberty Central. Well, after Liberty Central went public, it provoked an outcry over the Supreme Court justice's wife promoting causes like overturning Obamacare that were before her husband's court. That's what we were just talking about. Leo and Thomas, Ginny, they changed gears. Now, his network reactivated a dormant group. It was called the Judicial Education Project, which would go on to become a major supplier of amicus briefs before the nation's highest court. She created a for-profit consulting business using a similar name. It was called Liberty Consulting. That enabled her to perform consulting work for conservative activist groups. This is all bullshit, by the way, meaning it's crap. All this happened, it's just a lot of bullshit. Now, the Judicial Education Project supplied some of her business. Documents indicate Leo ordered at least one recipient of his group's funds, Kellyanne Conway, to make payments to Ginny Thomas for unspecified work. And that's according to a Washington Post story that was uh, broke earlier this year. Meanwhile, Leo's network of nonprofits, which annual donations have skyrocketed into the hundreds of millions of dollars, is the subject, by the way, of an investigation by the Washington, D.C. Attorney General. Politico reported that last month. The probe followed a Politico report in March that raised questions about whether Leo's group were enriching him and his friends by hiring their businesses and donating their nonprofit groups. And narrator, they they were. were. Yeah. (laughs) Now, many people trace the start of the conservative legal movement back to 1982. That was the year of the founding of the Federalist Society, which provided a forum for law students and professors with conservative ideas to incubate their theories. But the movement that has had such profound impact on the courts today, one that involves money and politics more than legal theories or principles, that gained steam in the wake of Citizens United decision. The case followed a highly unusual path, one blazed by a five-justice conservative majority who seemed determined to strike a blow against campaign finance restrictions. Now, initially, the dispute centered on whether a conservative nonprofit's unflattering documentary, a former Democratic presidential candidate who, Hillary Clinton, violated campaign finance laws. Instead of resolving the case along the lines argued by the lawyers, 
the justices took the very unusual step of asking for re-arguments based on a sweeping question, whether they should overrule prior decisions approving laws that limited spending on political campaigns. The re-argument took place on September 9th of 2009. Two months later, on November 6th, Mitchell filed an IRS application on behalf of Ginny Thomas to form the group that became Liberty Central Inc. So that's what that did. Paperwork Thomas signed on New Year's Eve that we just talked about listed Leo, then the Federal Society's executive vice president as one of two directors. Field, one of Leo's right-hand people on state courts at the Federal Society, came aboard to help Thomas in her new endeavor. Okay, here we go. The application was approved seven days before Clarence Thomas joined the 5-4 majority on a decision that would open the door to a new era of major spending on groups like the one his wife was forming. After putting up $500,000, which was the lion's share of her nonprofit seed money, Crow held an event for Jenny Thomas at his uh, palatial home in Dallas. The group later made clear its goal was disassembling President Obama's agenda, mainly the Affordable Care Act. This is all so fucked. Now, just five weeks after the decision, on February 18th, Jenny Thomas took the stage at CPAC. And we know that's that annual gathering of the nation's, they call them most prominent conservative activists. Okay. Now, wearing a white t-shirt, by the way, emblazoned with a Liberty Central logo, Thomas introduced herself as an ordinary citizen from Omaha, Nebraska, who felt called to the front lines of a battle against arrogant elites who think they know how to manage our lives from cradle to grave. She evoked the passing of patriots, including her 91-year-old mother and Barbara Olson, who had perished in the plane that hit the Pentagon on September 11, 2001, as her inspiration. This is another quote from the story from Thomas. When she was gone, I knew I had to work harder. That's what she said of Olson, whose widower Ted had been a lawyer for who? Citizens United. Thomas did not credit Crow, Leo, or Citizens United's decision for her new grassroots initiative. That year, she was paid $120,000 from Liberty Central. That's according to tax records, by the way. Now, the group was destined to have only a short lifespan, thanks in part to a misstep by Thomas herself. In October, she left a voicemail for Anita Hill, the woman who had accused her husband of sexual harassment during his confirmation hearing in 1991. In it, Thomas demanded an apology for the 19-year-old accusations. That's crazy pants. This is a quote. I would love you to consider an apology sometime and some full explanation of why you did what you did with my husband, Thomas reportedly said, asking Hill to pray about this. Now, there's a lot more to this story, and we encourage you to read it. It is fascinating. It's also terrifying. We're going to have a link in the show notes. And as always, patrons of The Daily Beans are going to get links to all of the sources for our reporting in the weekly newsletter. So you know exactly where it comes from if you want to do an even deeper dive into it. Yes. And by weekly newsletter, we mean weekly wrap up. Yes. (laughs) Just so you know. Um, All right. It's time for some good news, but we do need to take another quick break. I told you there was a lot of news today, but we're going to get to the good news now. Stick around. We'll be right back. 
This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. BetterHelp is not a crisis hotline. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash daily beans. Start living a better life today. You know, when I was in college, I struggled with racing thoughts every night. Uh, all the deadlines and anxieties uh, in my mind, they robbed me of my sleep. I would fall asleep late. I would wake up too early. This went on for years and years and years, leading me to miss out on many of the things I wanted to do. It was exhausting mentally and physically. Um, do you ever find that you're just right when you're trying to fall asleep, your brain just won't stop talking and your thoughts start racing right before bed or at other inopportune moments when you need to focus? Well, oddly enough, these impromptu thought sessions are a common occurrence. And the more we need tranquility, the more difficult it can be to find. And it turns out a great way to make those racing thoughts go away is to talk them through. And therapy gives you a chance to do that so you can get out of your negative thought cycles and find some mental and emotional peace. Therapy is a tool not just for deep wounds, but for daily growth. It equips us with skills to cope, work on healthy boundaries, and become better and stronger versions of ourselves. I know because it worked for me. Take the first steps toward therapy with BetterHelp, a fully online experience designed for utmost convenience. A short questionnaire will match you to a licensed therapist, and if you ever feel the need, you can switch your therapist without any additional cost. So get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Daily Beans. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, want to play What the Mutt, you have a misheard song lyric, you want to play What the Heck Wine, which is because I can, I apparently can guess horse breeds better than dog breeds. I don't know why. <laughs> um, send in photos of frog orgies. We love baby pictures for Dana and me. I love baby pictures as well. Pod pet tax. If you can't pay pod pet tax, t- tell us about an adoptable pet in your area or a shout out for a local business or a, a loved one or yourself. Anything you want to send us, dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. First up from Barbara O'Brien. Hi, AG and DG. I was so happy to hear the good news about Leonard Mack's exoneration and also to hear you cite information from the National Registry of Exonerations, of which I am the editor. Wow. Nice, Barbara. I just have one minor correction about your statement regarding mistaken witness identifications being the leading cause of wrongful convictions. That it's true for exonerations involving DNA, 57%. But mistaken ID is involved in a much smaller proportion of exonerations, more generally, about 27%. Ah, that's a very, very important statistic. Thank you, Barbara. The most common factors are perjury and false accusations, followed by misconduct by government officials. I so appreciate you covering this issue, but I would be derelict in my duty as the NRE's editor if I didn't take the chance to make sure your fine listeners were getting the most accurate, up-to-date info. The NRE is a labor of love funded through donations and powered by the commitment of outstanding staff and volunteer faculty editors who have made it their life's work to tell the stories of exonerees and maintain the most accurate data about these miscarriages of justice. Thank you for all you're doing to keep us up to date on the deluge of news every day. By the way, this is a pic of Cece, the NRE's beloved mascot. <gasps> Look at this so beautiful sweet. baby. Barbara, thank you for the submission. Way cool. The editor of the National Registry of Exonerations is part of the Leguminati. I love, I love this it. so much. I absolutely <laughs> love this. That's very important. Exonerations for DNA, 57% um, of mistaken witness identifications. It's But on in general, it's only about 27%. So that's so important, that distinction. Thank you. 
Absolutely. And this is from SM, pronoun she and her. Thanks, Beans Queens, for all you do. I teach high school students inside the county jail. My students are more resilient than most adults I know, and I love my work. I rarely hear from them when they leave. I'm sharing the email from the lawyer of a student who completed years of high school with me and graduated before he left for placement. Happy tears over here. Aww. It says, I hope this email finds you doing well. I was just rereading a student's life story from the facility you teach when asked who his favorite teacher was and why he answered. And it was Miss M because she cared. He started college last week and is doing fantastic. Thanks for all you did for him. Miss M, that must have made your heart explode. I can imagine happy tears. Oh, damn. Beans listeners are the... I know we have some fucking cool people listening to the podcast. My God. So great. Thank you for doing what you do, Ms. M. Next up from Chris H. Good news. I woke up. (laughs) Hey, it is good news. You know what? Sometimes that's all you need. Look at this beautiful baby, by the way, the little hairless cat. Next up from anonymous pronoun she and her. Hello, ladies. My wonderful partner, Jeff, introduced me to your fantastic podcast. And now we both listen together and drink coffee out of our matching mugs. Excellent. He has been an amazing caregiver over the summer while I healed from double knee replacements at the same time. Wow. Recently, he moved in and is exceedingly patient with my children and myself as we're still healing from a DV situation. He won over our sweet Aussie, Kyrie, who now adores him. I look forward to growing old with him and listening to your podcast and drinking our coffee. Oh, Oh, anonymous. I'm so glad. I love this. Double knee surgery. And look at this beautiful couple. Is that Middle Earth behind you? What is that a map of? It's beautiful. Um, and then look at the doggo. Aww. And the Super Space Beans mugs. Love Yay. it. And you know, double knee surgery reminds me of the movie um, Wine Country. So Anonymous, rent Wine Country and watch that. And I think you'll get a good laugh at the knee parts. There you go. All right. This next one's from Lisa G. Pronounce she and her. Hey, ladies, recently discovered your pod and I love it. It said to sing songy voice there. So I hope I did that justice. I think you did. Love it. Yeah. Like love awkward, it. but yep. better. Yeah. I'm part of a women-led, all-volunteer, pro-democracy, nonprofit called Blue Wave Postcard Movement. We started sending out Get out the vote postcards to low propensity L leaning swing state voters leading up to the 2020 election. I'm super psyched to report that we've reached the incredible milestone of 5 million postcards. What? Sent after our most recent campaign, get out the vote for Ohio's August 2023 special election. Fuck yeah, Lisa G. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Hey, that's some shit given we're a core group of eight volunteers. And we sell our card kits at cost to keep them affordable to writers. We've built community by hosting in-person or Zoom-based postcarding parties, especially at the height of the pandemic, recruiting a cadre of additional local volunteers who help us with shipping, distribution, all those important USPS, UPS runs, plus connecting with other pro-democracy orgs through the amazing interwebs. We're launching the pre-sale of our next set of postcard campaigns, urging voters in Virginia to yes. sign up for permanent absentee voting and remind them to get out the vote for the November 2023 elections. This election is critical at every single one of the 140 seats in the Virginia House and Senate are going to be up for grabs. Check out bluewavepostcards.org, by the way. 
For Pet Tax, we're featuring our operations director, Adrian's cat. Is it Gandhi or Gandhi? What do you think? Gandhi. Gandhi. Gandhi makes appearances at postcard parties, keeps us company during her fulfillment, and inevitably ends up in the car as we pack <laughs> pack up for shipping runs. Thanks, ladies, for all you do and for that extremely catchy theme song. We shall continue to vote blue over Q. Love you like democracy. Oh. I love you guys. This is awesome, Lisa G. Five million. And you can get your postcards at bluewavepostcards.org we can help virginia um and the catchy theme song written by they might be giants i will send them some love on your behalf lisa g thank you for the incredible work you're doing look at the kitty and look at all those postcards wow i can't even begin to imagine what a huge impact you've had on our democracy lisa no no thank you for that all right, next up from Sam, pronouns she and her. On behalf of Texans, specifically those of us in McKinney, I wanted to share this unsung hero who endured many 110 plus degree temperature days, placing his own signage and protesting outside Ken Paxton's neighborhood. Not all heroes wear capes. For pet tax, I present my Zoom obedience training dropout, pandemic puppy Artemis, known as Artie. I said no more animals, no puppies, nothing that sheds. The next week, I met her foster family and brought her home. <laughs> Thanks for all you do. <laughs> yeah, look at this. Out there putting up signs. Fantastic. Oh, Indeed. Oh, look at that beautiful puppers. Aww. One bright blue eye. So cute. So cute indeed. All right. I'm going to close this out with this tiny one. Dr. Crazy Cat Lady, pronoun she and they. This is good news. The perfect animal, super chill, gets along with everyone, just got more perfect. How do you say this? Capybaras. Yes. Thank you. Capybaras sit in floor squares. Look. Oh my God. Oh my God. Look. That is hysterical. I knew it. These rodents of unusual size known as capybaras. Yes. Capybaras. Favorite things at the zoo, by the way. They're so chill. I didn't know they were square sitters, just like kitties. That was the, that was something we used to have people do is to put like a, a a square on your floor, whether it's paper or a box or blue painter's tape or whatever, and just see if the cat would sit in it. Looks like capybaras do this. This is so great. That's Thank you for that. Hysterical. <laughs> I'm so happy to know that about capybaras. I want one so bad, but it's probably totally illegal. I don't know. I saw one that looked like a pet jump in. There was a guy pretending like he was drowning on a video and the capybara jumped in to save his life. It was really cute. I saw that. I saw that viral video. Wow. Thanks to everybody. We have the coolest activists writing in today. That seemed to be the theme. If you have any good news you want to send us, please do so at dailybeanspod.com. Just click on contact. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here today, Dana? No, I think we've had enough thoughts for today. Yeah, I feel like we've talked like like I feel bad for people who've had to listen to us talk for this long today. <laughs> they're like they're pausing halfway through. I'll come back to it. Yeah, I'll get back to this. this is a long one. Uh, but thank you, everybody. We just had so much news to get to you. And, the, and that Jenny Thomas story and that Flagler Drive offsite storage facility story were so long, but they had to be told. So I really appreciate you all sticking around through them. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, until then, please take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone and your parents with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants 
and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.